You're listening to a podcast of Master Your Finances with me, Kurt Baker, a certified financial planner professional. Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. on 1077thebronc.com. Another day, another dollar, and our certified financial planner professional, Kurt Baker, will give you the tips you need to turn that single into a sea of green with Master Your Finances. Whether you have enough to get by or too much in your pockets, Kurt Baker and his weekly guests are here to show you how to manage it all. Master Your Finances is underwritten by Certified Wealth Management and Investment, LLC. Now listen up, because it's time to get a hold of those money matters and master your finances. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Master Your Finances presented by Certified Wealth Management Baker, and Certified Financial Planner Professional. I'm located in Princeton, New Jersey, and we'll be hosting your show today. Uh, if you have any questions, I can be reached to our website, which is www.cwmi.us, or you can call me directly at 609-716-4700. And today we're really happy to have with us somebody who's going to make everybody a little hungrier than they might have been when before they started listening today. Uh, her name is Joanne Kennedy Brown, and she's the owner of the Gingered Peach, um, and she's the head baker in Lawrenceville, New Jersey. Uh, she graduated from Rutgers University with a BA in economics and is currently working on her MBA in marketing. Joanne spent five years in restaurant management and three years in corporate operations before taking the plunge and starting her own business. As a self-taught baker, Joanne studied and baked from home, perfecting recipes until she felt ready to open Let Them Eat Cake in 2012 in Ewing, New Jersey. After coming to a crossroads at their one-year anniversary, Joanne needed to expand to keep up with the orders coming in. In 2014, she opened the Gingered Peach in Lawrenceville. Through both openings, Joanne made many local connections as she built her business and knows the value of investing in people and the community. In 2018, Joanne was named a James Beard Foundation Fellow and participated in the Foundation's second annual Women's Entrepreneurial Leadership Program, which was created to support women uh, restaurant owners and food entrepreneurs. The program focuses on membership, education, and the development of women entrepreneurs. Only 20 people were selected for the program, and Joanne was the only participant selected from New Jersey. She lives in Lawrenceville with her husband and two children. And wow, I'm so excited to have you on. I heard so you. I heard you speak at the chamber. So I, mean, I was really <laughs> excited. I mean, you're just an amazing person. I have to tell you, on so many levels. Thank you. You got such a great story. I just love you to start off and kind of tell us a little bit about kind of your background and how you got started on all this because sure. it's really. Amazing. Uh, so, as you said, I went to uh, Rutgers, and I uh, had no idea what I wanted to do after graduation, which I think a lot of a lot of people don't. Right? <laughs> we we have an idea of what our projection is going to be. Yeah, very but, few know what they want to do when they get out of college. Yeah, like you know, <laughs> I speak at high schools all the time, and mm -hmm. I'm like, look, please don't expect that at 18 you're going to have any idea who you're going to be at 35. You're going to be a totally different person by then, and it's okay to evolve and change into that person. For me, it was that's kind of what my life has been, the, what the walk has been for me. So, yeah, I did graduate from Rutgers with a BA in economics. And um, I actually paid my way through school by waitressing. Um, and then I ended up, uh, after graduation, I promoted to an assistant manager and then general manager within the same company. So I would kind of have been rooted in food. Uh, and then I ended up getting a corporate job with Bed Bath & Beyond. So I worked at their corporate headquarters in Union, and my job was to open bed baths all over the country. 
So during my time there, yeah, I was the project manager. So I opened um, almost 60 Bed Bath & Beyond oh nationally. Wow. Yeah, including the first store in Alaska, which was an experience <laughs> because it's a totally different <laughs> ball game. Uh, and then after that, I, and I knew I wanted to go into baking, uh, but as a lot of people can probably feel me on, I could not justify paying for culinary school mm -hmm. after paying for a BA and then working on a master's because once again, I did not know what I wanted to do. Uh, so I thought that I could teach myself to bake and I just kind of committed to that. And uh, since I knew that's where I wanted to go, I decided that that's I quite a task to teach yourself how I to know. bake. I mean, I know. I, I mean, you know, <laughs> this is not like watching a couple of videos and you're going to be perfect, right? This is this is yeah. this is quite a job, right. right? I mean, to become a professional it is baker. And and but my outlook on life in general or anything that you want to do in general is one of the greatest skills you can master is the ability to break a goal down into steps. Right. To understand mm -hmm. what you want your end goal to be and then say, OK, that's super overwhelming. However, where do I start? So for me, it was I want to open a bakery. OK, mm -hmm. step one, learn how to bake like really well. Right. And start. But also it could be totally like mind blowing when you look at the scale that which baking goes to. Right. Especially if you watch these shows that are on TV, then you have to decide, well, what kind of baker do I want to be? And that is that was kind of determined on, well, who am I? Because when you're trying to fight who you are naturally, mm -hmm. um, it, it, it comes off awkward and a little unnatural. And so for me, I just said, I'm going to be the baker who just makes good food. I'm not going to worry about, is it the prettiest looking pastry at the end of the day? No. Or, or you know, I want to create something when you eat it, you go, oh, that was delicious because that's really what matters. Mm -hmm. So while, yeah, it was a crazy task and undertaking to say, hey, I'm going to teach myself to bake i said well let's start with learning how to just bake things that taste good and right. then work on the appearance after um but i knew that i can't just jump into running a business though i ran businesses for other people i opened new stores for other people So you're naturally a good baker when you first started this project off i mean you're so, like you're one of these people that like always like bake cakes and stuff when you were younger i'm really fortunate i'm fortunate <laughs> slash just, uh, and now in my wise now that i'm a little wise. wiser uh <laughs> I was very fortunate that I grew up in a family where resources were limited. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds like a little bit of a paradox to say it that way, right? Most people don't say that. No, okay. people don't say that. <laughs> and of course, if you asked 17, 18-year-old Joanne, they'd be like, oh, this is the worst. But now that I'm older and I look back, what happens when resources are lacking, it forces you to be resourceful. It forces you to be efficient with the resources you have. And it forces you to manage your time properly. So I grew up in a home where going out to dinner was not an option, right? I'm one of five children. Oh, wow. My father uh, had polio and he got it. He caught it before the vaccine happened. So he was uh, completely debilitated in his arms. Um, mm -hmm. So my mom was the only person who worked and she was a teacher. And we all know that teachers are nearly paid what they should be. Paid. Right, right, right. So you can imagine raising five children. Uh, on a I teacher's really salary it's <laughs> <really> crazy <laughs> it's crazy so we really didn't have that luxury that we could go out and eat um i mm -hmm. also grew up with uh, a multi-generational household where my grandparents lived downstairs and um my grandmother was from the south so it was this really interesting just hodgepodge of people living mm -hmm. together and my grandmother for fun would encourage me to cook and bake with her 
And that is how I got my exposure to baking. And we st- we did really, really simple things, but it really sparked the fire in me. Mm-hmm. I found that when I was working my corporate job or when I was working in the industry, you know, coming home and you know, I'm, I'm going to try to bake something. I found that it brought me joy. And then I said, you know, one of the really awesome things about the way that our society has changed is in the adaption of the internet or social media, whatever it is, is that we can now monetize things that make us happy if you find the right way to sell it. Right. And so I just decided, okay, I'm going to try to monetize this thing and make it real and just really focus on making a few people happy. And then if I think I, you bring up a really, really important point from a business perspective, yeah. is a lot of people go, well, I want to go into business that makes a lot of money. And it's actually the other way around. It's like go into business doing something you really love yeah. and then learn how to have that make, because then you can make money doing anything. You're, you're absolutely right. So the question is do something you really, really love. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to want to get better. You're yep. going to enjoy it. Yep. And you're going to be committed. the money comes later. It does. And people kind of get it all confused. They and get it all backwards, right? They, get, <laughs> they totally get it backwards. You know, where people are like, I want to be rich. I want to do this. Okay, that's so cool, right? And if you do things right, absolutely, that can be the end result for you. But if you enter this journey with that as Remember, we were talking about breaking things down into steps, mm-hmm. right? And if that's step number one, you are already at a disadvantage, right? My husband jokes that if I hadn't become a baker, I would have been an engineer because my mindset is find the problem, solve the problem. What and is it, baking chemical engineering? And that's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what it is? <laughs> it is. It is. So, you know, for me, when I relocated down here, when I got married, I looked around and I said, where are the bakeries like what I'm used to? And they didn't exist. Well, they were actually going away. Years ago, they were yep. disappearing. I remember yeah. several bakers we used to go yeah. when we first moved here. They were all gone. It's hard work. It's expensive work. It is um, It's physically grueling. And also, think of it this way. If Apple says to you, give me $1,000 for this iPhone, we happily shell out the money for it. Mm-hmm. If a baker says to you, give me $6 for this croissant that took me three days to make for you with my hands, we mm-hmm. turn our nose up at it. Mm-hmm. We don't value it the same exact it. way until you taste it. <laughs> right. Until you taste it and until it starts going away. The reason right. why the ginger peach was able to flourish the way it was was because people lost handcrafted baked goods. We became accustomed to the supermarket. And then we began to think that's what baked goods were supposed to taste like until someone can make it onto the scene, right, and expose people. And then they go, wait a minute, what is this? Right. And while I think the work that we do is incredible, it's not unordinary, but it is in the state of New Jersey because we lost so many of our great bakeries. And I'm just hoping to be part of that wave that brings it back. Absolutely. You definitely are. We come back. we got a lot more to talk about. Sounds we'll be great. right back. It's not about the money, money, money. It's all about how you manage your money. Now let's get back to learning how from Kurt Baker of Certified Wealth Management and Investment with Master Your Welcome Finance. Welcome back to listening to Master Your Finance. I'm Kurt Baker here with Joanne Kennedy Brown, the owner of the Ginger Peach, and we're having a lot of fun. And when we le- when we left off, we were talking about how uh, when I first moved to this area, there were there were a number of different bake, uh, bakeries we went to, and we really looked forward. Like when we had a special event, we'd go down to a certain I won't name the names, but there were certain ones around here that really were good. Yeah. And we were surprised when they closed. Mm-hmm. And we didn't understand that very much. And then, of course, we ended up going to, like, I don't know, like the local grocery store or something. Because it really wasn't – or, you know, these other places. and But they weren't the same. They're not. They weren't the same at all. And we were actually very disappointed. Yeah. So I can imagine. what kind of got you the energy or the, the ability to, to – from my perspective, I'm thinking about the business seems to be declining. 
right? And you just went and said, I think we're going to go <laughs> upstream. We're going to be a salmon and just go up that stream yeah, yeah. and say, we're going to figure this out. Because um, and the other thing I remember is uh, when I first moved here, I remember going into the local uh, Dunkin' Donuts, right? And they ran out of donuts. And I said, okay. And I sat there and looked at them. And they're like, wait, are you standing there? I go, I'll just wait. They're like, you're going to wait for what? I go, until you make more donuts. And they go, yeah. we don't make donuts here anymore. I go, what yeah. do you mean you don't make donuts here anymore? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean you don't make them anymore? It's like your supermarkets, too. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I want a fresh donut. And they yeah. were like, no, you can't get those anymore. It doesn't work like that. We <laughs> so, haul it in, in a truck at 3 o'clock in the morning. And they definitely taste different. Yeah. And, and that's what's unfortunate with... So, okay, so me going into this, I had to decide who I was going to be in the system, right? Because okay. there's a system. Right. And there's different ways of approaching the same, selling the same product. What you see happen with supermarkets, um, it, they, <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts, you know, they, they create a storefront, right, mm-hmm. which acts as your exposure. It's how you get access to what they're making. Right. But everyone pretty much adapts the larger scale uh, storefronts adapt to what's more of like what I'll call a commissary or an auxiliary model. So what that model is, is, okay, we're going to dump a whole bunch of money and into equipment in a centralized facility. We're going to put it in a cranberry or we're going to put it here. And uh, that, that facility is going to produce for a hundred stores for 200 stores. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I did when I, right after I left bed bath was I took a job with Panera bread because I wanted to see how a large company scaled. Okay. Uh, because I've said, you know, they are doing, they're still baking in store. How are they doing that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't, I can't see how they're making it work. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and that's because they had a different approach. You know, you see Panera is known for the salad, the soup, the, the going and sitting down for a meal. Bread is now second right. for them. And those, those other avenues are first. But still, I was intrigued by how it was done. And, and they actually do it in a really cool way where they have something called the fresh dough facility. And every state has one. And it creates all the dough for every so you get your consistency. So right. you're getting consistency across right. the board. But still, it has to get the dough has to get passed to the hands of a baker who executes the final steps, which makes which seals so the deal. So now you get it fresh. So now you're getting it So the it dough f- is the fresh. same, right? So now it's, well, yeah, the dough exactly. is maybe, maybe a few hours old. Yeah, course, but, right. but still. Right. But you age dough Better. anyway for flavor. So, okay. you know, their system was really cool. But what a lot of companies are doing, a lot of supermarkets do with Dunkin' Donuts, is they take it all the way to the final step. Off-site, and then you're getting something that's, you know, 16, 18 hours old, 20 hours old. And let's be honest, when it's your only option, it's a good option. So what my mindset was, let's create another option, but let's also manage it in a way that we can compete on some level with a certain very particular customer who cares. Someone who cares that in order to give you that donut 18 hours later, we had to pump that with all kinds of preservatives that are going to keep it alive but that's not what baking was intended to be when it started. It was intended to be fresh and real. So how do we create a system? We're not going to compete on price. Ignore that. Right. Let's focus on creating a quality product and finding the customer for that. And then my job is to connect with that customer. Well, I know one thing that I've noticed, at least in the, for myself, is that we seem to be going back from like convenience to quality. Yeah. I mean, because people are eating like more naturally. Yeah. They're eating closer the nature, like we have local farms. That you see them even advertising larger grocery stores. You'll see, well, here's a local farm section. Mm-hmm. So it, it seems like I feel like the pendulum is swinging back a little yes. bit. You yeah. think you're benefiting from this fact yes. that the, the trend is now 100%. we want something more natural. Yep. We want something more fresh. Oh. I mean, it's actually, even though it's, it is baking goods, it's still better for me than yeah. a, the, the item that I got shipped 
with preservatives from, right. you know, 50 miles away. I think that – so when when the industrialization of food happened, right, it was can your vegetables and, and freeze. And freezing's not so bad. But, mm-hmm. you know, put them in a can, sit them on a shelf, you know. You have access to them whenever you want. It was really interesting. I was cooking with my mom on Easter, and she she saw me pull these vegetables out of the refrigerator that I got from farms that are local right. here. And we grew up in Hoboken. Like, there were no farms. You know, it just wasn't a thing. It was the city. <laughs> and she's like, these are the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And I realized that growing up, we didn't eat fresh vegetables. Right. Once again, that wasn't a luxury. That was, And it was also something we didn't have access to. So... One of the things that the ginger peach was able to benefit for is we came on the scene when that rise really took hold. So we were able to create a value composition for the customer where we said, we're not only going to give you a fresh baked goods, we're going to do it in a great environment. We're going to be helpful. Uh, We're going to be mindful of your time. We're going to be able to make suggestions. It was this entire package of what did I think was missing in the supermarket experience that people needed, that how do we, so while people are abandoning convenience in what we've come to know it as, we're offering convenience packaged a different way. We're going to take all the worry away from you and we're going to help you make really great decisions so that your event or even your breakfast was something that you really enjoyed because people value how far their dollar goes. We're going to now give you a different value for that. And, and I think it's true. It's the value. Because I just remember like years ago, I guess my, it was my daughter's because I hate tomatoes as an example. Oh, my God. It's my I'm brother, like, too. And, but they're I was so like, good. but have you had a real tomato? Yeah. Right? Because if you go to a grocery store, you're not at, a real tomato. they're like these weird. I mean, they're not even. But then you go pick one off the vine that's like right fresh and ready to eat. Or you get eat, like an heirloom. And it just like melts in your mouth. Yeah, you get you one put, thing that like you can barely like digest. And you uh-huh. get this other thing that's like like this best fruit you ever had. Yeah. And uh, there's just such a big difference. Yeah. And I've even noticed like, and, and this is for me relatively new is like changing over to different things, even like carrots and just other ingredients. There's a big difference between the two when you start really taste testing them, so to speak. But it took Because we've forgotten you, about it. Yeah. And it took you being exposed <laughs> right. to something right. other than what you've come to know, right? So how do we change that right and i for me the gingered peach was one small step in going i'm gonna do my part to show people what baked goods are supposed to taste like right because then maybe i can make the industry stronger in general so more of me can exist because people are gonna go wait a minute that is not that cake is not supposed to stay moist for four days (laughs) it's unnatural right right, when air is on it like it's unnatural so i just felt if a lot of us or a few of us can just start making a little bit of headway. It'll open up to an industry that can now be revived and come back. And there were people who came before me who started it. Right. And right. I just jumped on the bandwagon with them. Some of these were fairly large too. It wasn't just, I mean, and they just said the heck with it. I mean, when it's, they started competing against these because the trend, we, went. there's no way we can compete with supermarkets. There's absolutely no way their buying power is right. insane, but also their willingness to compromise on the quality of ingredients is different. I pay at least double what a mass-producing bakery will pay for flour. Right. right. Because it's important to me to support King Arthur because it's employee-owned. Right, Because I know where the grain is coming from. Because I know it's consistent. Because I know it's not bleached. It hasn't been bromated. All of those things affect the quality of the product in the end. When you're selling a cake, you you need to you need to sell it for nine ninety nine in a supermarket. You know you're gonna say you know give me the cheaper flour. right the cheaper options give me the one that you know I have to put oil in it not butter to make it do what I want it to do get one that's gonna absorb the preservative the way I want it to so you know it's it's difficult to 
the no, I get it, and I, and, I, and the difference is like one is healthier, yeah. right? And and you're supporting local or yep. people, and so so to speak, and yep. it's better for us. Yep. And it's all about the value. To me, it's all about the value. So especially if you're gonna have like a wedding or something like, I mean, what wouldn't you rather have like a really nice experience for your, you know? Because I think we've I think we've I think we've forgotten about some of these things. Mm-hmm. And and I think in general we're kind of shifting back again, which yeah. I think is great. So you're kind of following a trend and a passion all yep. at the and same time, which lines up. <laughs> Right. It sticks. No, no, me too, me too. So you, yeah, so you definitely have, um, so you, the quality is obviously amazing. Everybody around here talks about it all the time. I love so, that. But you added to that, it wasn't just the quality. You, you talked a little bit about, like, what you do to make that experience better. So, yes, you can have a great product, but if you're not kind of backing it up with what, the, the whole, it's got to be a bigger picture than that, right? Yeah. So it's more about the experience, not not just the product alone, right? Yep. So. Yeah, so that's a whole that's a whole conversation. And we are going to talk about that here in a few minutes. When we come right back, we're going to get into that, like the whole structure and how you have people be basically part of your family, yeah. right? We'll be right back. It's not about the money, money, money. It's all about how you manage your money. Now let's get back to learning how from Kurt Baker of Certified Wealth Management and Investment with Master Your Finance. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finance. I'm uh, Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional, here with Joanne Kennedy-Brown, the owner of The Gingered Peach. And we've been talking about her amazing uh, journey here with The Gingered Peach. Um, I just think it's fantastic. So one, you got down and you got a better product. You're kind of fighting. You're coming against the trend for bakeries in general, but you're actually following the trend as far as people wanting better quality, better value out of their food because I think we're starting to recognize how food actually has a bigger impact on our lives than we actually realized as far Mm -hmm. as where it's sourced, how it's processed, how it's put together, what we're actually consuming. And I think think that's great. And I know that you've, um, from the business aspect, and we'll talk about that just a little bit because it's not just the quality of food. You've got a lot more... You, you can have a great product and not necessarily have a successful business. So what do you think were some of the things you did to kind of make sure the business itself succe- succeeded and you've got people coming back and, you know, there's a lot of levels there. I know there's a financial and there's a connection to the community and things yeah. like that. So how do you think you started putting all that together? So the, the very first thing, which seems like the, I want to say the easiest thing, but it's not. You have to understand what you're actually selling. Uh, I recently, I've been having an amazing time because the Ginger Peach is working on expansion and pitching investors for our expansion. Right. And um, my pitch line is, uh, we don't just make baked goods, we make memories. Mm. I understand that I'm selling memories, that people invite me to their Thanksgiving table, they invite me to their wedding, they invite me to their first birthday party, they invite me into their car seat when they're driving to work and they need to eat something really quickly. It might a, be a little messy. It's a little messy. <laughs> like croissants is everywhere. But we, I understand that we're creating a memory and my job right. is to make your experience with us memorable. So when that is the foundation, we make sure all of our actions reflect that. So in starting the business, one, one of the ways that I went and that I continue to go to this day that is – Um, maybe not necessarily in line with the conversation behind starting a business is I invested in labor in a big way Mm. where when I started up, um, I didn't get the super cool oven or the really great register or uh, a really cool millwork for our counters. My fun fact, my husband built uh, all the tables that are inside of the gingered peach and all of our display counters in my garage. Uh, I didn't put the money there. Instead I said, I'm going to save a whole bunch of money so I can hire like-minded, really fun, cool people 
and I can compensate them for the work. You're, you're that Andrew they Carnegie. Did. Yeah, That's exactly. I remember he was interviewed once. <laughs> the, the reporter asked him, "Hey, well, you could do it. It's easy to do it. You have all this money and all this stuff." And he said, basically. You can take away all my stuff. Just give me my employees, and I'll have it back in, I think you said, five years. And that's literally what it is. Yeah. and It's about know, the people. It's about the people, Be, especially in our industry, right? right. Every And especially the way we choose to do it, right? I right. don't buy machines that scoop our batter. Someone mm-hmm. else does, so they have to know the feel of that. They can tell. Our bakers can tell by looking at the color of something if the yeast wasn't right, if we didn't measure properly. You know, it's – and they also have to care, about the product that they're sending mm-hmm. out. So, you know, in starting up my business, it was, and I only started with four employees. You know, it, and I technically, I guess it was three. It was me and three other okay. people. So, <laughs> you got yourself. That's good. I got myself. So it was four of us. Uh, now the staff, now we're at 22 people that run the Ginger Peach. So what are some things you do to make sure you get the right employees and, and how do you, because they care. I mean, care yeah. is a good word, right? Yeah. But when you go to some places and you go to a, a you know, any any facility, you don't, they don't necessarily care. So right. how do you instill that care in your, how do you get, how does that work out? Is it just you pick the right people, or is there something you do so, to so make sure they continue to care? Right? You can come to a job and care all you want, but if the, if the environment isn't necessarily the right environment, <laughs> you, you said it right there. There's there's two there's two strategies that we use in store, and one how many amazing employees get hired and and leave companies, right? Right. Because the environment was toxic, right? And turnover will kill a business. Yeah. Right. You can hire yeah. the best person and not give them the room to grow, the space to mm-hmm. think, the environment to feel comfortable and protected by their employer in many ways, right? From a financial standpoint, and mm-hmm. also from just you know, life gets. Life happens, right? And you have to be supportive of that, that you're not the only thing that occurs in that employee's life. Why we want to be, we can't right. be. So it's about creating this really awesome environment um, for people to be able to be themselves in. Um, but before that, it's the hiring process. The one really funny thing is I think 70% of the people I interview uh, at the end of the interview say, you didn't ask me anything about my other jobs. I don't mm. care about what your other – I don't <laughs> – I know that sounds insane – but I don't care, and I don't normally hire bakers either. If you uh, bake somewhere else, you know. Um, I also don't necessarily think a culinary degree gets you a job in my kitchen. Exposure is great if you work somewhere else, but I'm also undoing a lot of bad habits that you could have picked up along the way right? rather than molding you into what the ginger peach is because our environment is very different from what a regular or a traditional restaurant environment so is So if you're like. not looking, looking for people with experience, you're not looking to find out their previous job, what are you looking for then? I'm looking for, <laughs> right, crazy. There you go. I want to make sure uh, I know what you're I ask for. questions in an interview like, what would your friends say about you? Tell me about a time you failed miserably they say, what at friends? something. That's what friends? Good. And I'm like, yikes. <laughs> yikes. Like, I don't know. Or I'll say, you know, I'll say, uh, tell me about some, a time you failed at something miserably. And mm. tell me all about that. And then tell me, what, what did you do after? And it could be I cried. It could be all I right. picked up, you know, this is how I tried to fix it. Because I'm looking for employees who are resilient. Mm. I'm looking for employees who are empathetic and compassionate i'm also looking for people who aren't afraid to take risks i'm not i'm also looking for people who aren't afraid to make decisions right i can't be there all the time as we grow and something's gonna go wrong and i always say i'd rather you make the decision than not and be the wrong one than you not make any decision at all because that shows you're not willing to go outside of your comfort zone. Right. And so much about the culinary arts is being outside of that comfort zone. That's where breakthroughs happen. That's where right. the next amazing cronut comes from. Because someone said, why are we not doing this? 
So I'm really just trying to get an idea of how do I hire a really cool person? And that's like the one super awesome thing about working at the Ginger Peaches. I like all my coworkers because I hired people who I would say, I would have a beer with you. Right. I would hang out with you. Now, I do would... your current employees bring in other employees now? Yeah, so that's a, what ends up you happening. Is... Good, you got a pretty good sized group now, right? I so, have. So they bring in their friends, so to speak. I have three brothers working for me. There you go. Because uh, I hired one brother, and I was like, you're super cool. And then he said, I have a brother, brother. And then I interviewed that brother. I'm like, you're just like that brother. And (laughs) then I get the other brother. So now I've got three brothers. And they all work in different positions for us. Like one is on the front end because he's amazing with people. The other one's super analytical and detail-oriented. So we turned him into a baker. He was 18 when we hired him. And now he does all the master doughs for the gingered peach. We basically molded him into this is how how to be a baker. Mm -hmm. Um, And then – the other brother's an expediter, so he basically flips between the two positions. He can work either. He's like the jack of all trades. I have um, one of my lead bakers who runs the morning bake at the Ginger Peach. Her brother works on the front end too. So good people know good people. and But because they're having a great time at work, they have no problem saying, yo, you should come work here. Right. It's awesome. And then they interview, and as long as they pass you know, with me, I go, all right, cool, let's give it a run. I also – don't hire the skill. I teach the skill, right? right? I'm not looking for someone to come in and show me how to bake. We got that. We're going to show you how to bake in the right, the way that we want to see you do mm-hmm. it. So I, people always ask me, are you hiring? And I say, I'm always hiring for the right person. Always. If I, somebody walks through my door and even the money is not in the labor, I know we'll grow into that labor. And that's how I'm able to retain and keep an amazing staff and why I can afford people the opportunity of paid vacation because there's plenty of people to pick up the weight and move forward. So, so now you have these great people in place yeah. and you've created this brand new kind of business thing. So yeah. how do you get down to, because you have to turn something everything into a system at some point, right? Yeah. You have to be, it has to be flexible. But mm-hmm. so how do you systematize this thing so that you can expand and can grow? And then how do you kind of course correct when you need to? So how, how do you go we're through that process going, yourself? We're going through that big time right now because uh, now we've got this giant labor bill that, right. that has to <laughs> Because I got all these amazing people. Uh So I have this huge labor bill that I need to to pay. So it's all about creating efficiencies without compromising integrity. And that is where my focus is. My focus is trying to find small course corrections and small inefficiencies that equal big dollars when you monetize them at the end of the year, right? So a lot of times uh, I – there's – in baking – in, in cooking, right, you can do whatever you want, right? You can just be like, throw that in there. A little this, little that. It's great. It doesn't work like that in baking. You know, there's science behind it. You right. know, if you're going to put this much gluten, you'd have to have this much yeast in order for it to do what it needs to do at the end of the day. So you don't have that flexibility to just trade out ingredients to make a recipe cheaper, right? And at the end of the day, when you're when you're looking at systems, you're trying to figure out how do I produce more profit off of this without changing what we're doing? And how I do that is I'm hands-on, and I developed a lot of these systems from the beginning. So in the beginning, when we were making cinnamon rolls, uh, we use a really great uh, French dough called brioche. And most people will not mess with that dough because it's expensive. Okay. But we figured, or I figured out, that if we could get to a certain quantity, we can make this product make money for us. In the beginning, for the first year, it was a loss leader. We lost money on every cinnamon bun oh we God. sold. Wow. But I realized if we could get to the point that we could sell 7000 a month, P.S., which is what the gingered peach sells on average, 
a month. So you're good now. If we can get to seven thousand a month, actually it was around like fifty five hundred okay. that we could actually start making money on this because we could use bigger. We could use a different flow system. Right. Right. Um, that but. The, if we made a really great cinnamon roll, and, and that's that's a product everybody knows, right? And sure. This, I mean, Cinnabon built a whole empire off of it. That's true. <laughs> if we could make a if we could make a really good cinnamon roll, we can get people to trust us with other things. Mm. So use that as the end, the you know, the gateway drug <laughs> into right. the ginger the gateway peach. Drug. The gateway drug of the I know ginger what you're peach. talking to those is it okay? <laughs> of yeah. the ginger peach, where we can get you to trust us with coffee, to get you right. to trust us with this. So with the cinnamon roll, it was we were rolling them all that morning. And then it went, okay, this isn't working after two years. Like, there's too many right. to do at 4 o'clock in the morning. Okay, well, how do we do it? Well, why don't we phase it throughout the afternoon? And then that didn't work. And then I said, well, what if we increase the yeast just slightly to extend its life and roll all the cinnamon buns the day before? Oh, okay. Does that work? And it's something as simple as that that was a game changer. So experimentation of, willing to take a risk, right? And that's exactly – so yep. now we're back to those traits I'm looking for. Excellent. Is, can you know, take that risk and make it work. Excellent. Fantastic. So, we'll come right back. You're going to maybe hopefully tell us how you came up with the name for the I gingered peach. Be right back. It's not about the money, money, money. It's all about how you manage your money. Now let's get back to learning how from Kurt Baker of Certified Wealth Management and Investment with Master Your Finance. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finance. I'm Kurt Baker uh, here with Joanne Kennedy uh, Brown, and we've been going through a wonderful journey that's starting to make me a little hungry because we're talking about cinnamon <laughs> buns beforehand. And so, so we have an important thing. So you started off. This was actually a loss leader, but you thought it was very important to have a like basically a perfect product, right? Something yeah. that everybody would bring them in. Yeah. And once they're in. Then you can kind of the old cross sell, right? Get yeah. them to buy other stuff we can expose because now them they're to there, other things, right? Yeah. So they see everything else you do. So yeah. that's a great product. I love it. Why don't we try that cake or try the coffee or try whatever, and, and then so you move on from there. So your focus. So this is so this you have a lot going on in a bakery. So did you break it down like we focus? How did because you have a lot happening? So how do you break this down? And you're systematizing this, right? Mm -hmm. So does everybody else know the system, or and then how do we? I'm just trying to understand how you manage all this because you have so many things going on. So what I do is I create experts in areas, right? Okay. I don't focus on making everyone amazing bakers altogether. We have a person who handles sauces. I told you about one of the brothers who handles doughs. And then when that person has super mastered it and we feel like someone has already mastered their other thing, we then have them cross-train each other. Let me okay. show you how I do my thing and how I do this. Oh. And then what we do is we create these pockets of people that – are really amazing at these five things. And when you, instead of focusing on making everyone know how to be excellent bakers in everything, when you make them an experts in certain categories, you can one, ensure consistency across the board. Two, you create confidence and their ability and want to share knowledge with other people. So now I'm creating my own trainers without even trying. Right. And it gives you the ability to kind of create these pockets, right? Where there's one person who handles sauces and now a system is being built because that person has an expectation when they come in where they know I'm on dose, sauces, this, repeat. And now the system has been built. So is this all on the, I'm trying to visualize it. Is this all on the job training or is this like- It's all the, on the job. So it's like, there's no nothing to read or nothing. They just come no. in and say, let's do it. Yeah. Have you ever done this before? No, great. We're going to show you. <laughs> It's terrible. One of the things, one of the, great, most, one of the most difficult things we do is called laminating. It's a process of taking dough and encasing it in, uh, uh, taking butter and casing it in dough and slowly rolling it really thin. That's how you get those layers in croissant. Oh. It's, um, it's pretty difficult to learn, but what we've 
done is we figured out how to explain it mm-hmm. to get someone to how to feel it when you're doing it. And someone who's never done this before is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. We just, we took baking and simplified it so that every person can relate to it in some way. Like we'll say, you know, when you're folding a sheet and you're trying to get the ends to line up, that's how you create the pocket. And people okay. go, oh, I fold sheets. I fold shirts all the time. Right. Like this. Perfect. So it, it's like that. And just making every product like that. So you break everything down in like these little tiny steps. Yep. That you Once easily, again. They're easily explained to somebody yep. else, right? Which is basically how you did your business, right? Yeah, you broke exactly. that down into little tiny steps. And I think that's where we all get overwhelmed. We're like, you know, I'm going to start a business. Well, that's great. But you break it down. You actually have to sit down. Yeah. There is a little bit of paperwork down here, right? Yeah, you got to sit down. Is, you got to write. You got to write all this down. Yeah. And then, and then if you find gaps or things that don't work, mm-hmm. then you come back and rectify. Yeah. Of course, we'll correct, always, right? When something's not working, we'll say, "Find the hole in the system. Where are we? Where are we losing this? How did that not work? Right. How didn't it work? And then we we dial backwards. And then at one point we go, "Wait, but what happened from this step to this step? Oh, we didn't right. bridge that gap. Okay. All right, let's fix that gap. Right. And then now now let's move forward. And right. And that's, that's how everything is handled in our kitchen, which is why we can compete and why we can pr- what I'll call mass produce right. without affecting the integrity. We make about 500 croissants a day, Wow. a day <laughs> out of that tiny kitchen. We only have 700 square feet in our kitchen. Is that right? That's wow. it. Wow. And there's like 11 staff members at one point. You're all very time. friendly. Well, we're, we, yeah, <laughs> we bump into each other a lot. So yeah, but it's about how do you how do you maximize your impact when your resources are right. you only have 700 square feet. I can't make that bigger. Make it work better. Right. Right. Sell right. the products that can work in that space. There's tons of things I'd like to bake, but realistically cannot happen at the gingered peach like cheesecake. It just can't happen. And I'm, I have to embrace that as an owner. And well, you need okay more room to do that. Yeah, you need to water bath. You need to be able to rapid chill them. You need to be able to store them under refrigeration. Mm. We don't have that luxury rather than forcing it. Right, right, Embrace right. who we are and bake within our stand, bake within our standards, but with also within our then perimeter. Then your quality stays and your brand stays. Speaking of your brand, hey! how did we come up with the gingered peach? Because uh, yeah. that's a little different. It is different. I'll tell you that from a marketing perspective, uh, I found that every time you saw a bakery, it was like Sweet Joe's, right? Johnny's Bakery. And I kind of was like, oh, the gingered peach is not a bakery. It's an experience, right? Ah, so I didn't okay. want the bakery to be in the title. Like if you if you look at any of our social media, the word bakery never appears. We're mm-hmm. just the gingered peach. And the gingered peach was named in honor of my grandmother, oh. who's from Georgia. So she's a peach. There you go. That's there's that's state fruit, right? Around, yeah, right? there we are. <laughs> a lot of peaches in Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> and uh she, back to that whole didn't have everything we needed. Sometimes we right. would she'd be like, what do you want to bake? And I'm like, oh, I want to make this. Like, you know, go through cookbooks and you just pick a random item. Right. And uh, I'd say, I want to bake this. And my grandmother would look at the recipe and realize we didn't have nearly what we needed. But she didn't want to discourage my enthusiasm. And, right, right, right. And you can imagine we were told no a lot growing mm-hmm. up. And she didn't want that. Sure. She didn't want that for this particular thing to be part of the equation. So she would say, well, we don't have currants, but we're just going to use this instead, whatever we had. Mm-hmm. And I'm a rule follower. It's a, a terrible habit that I'm trying to break. So I'm like, oh. And she to break the rules. Oh, but it says you need that's that. That's not how it works. <laughs> and she would say, it's okay, darling. We'll just ginger it up. And it was her really smooth, polite, 
loving, beautiful way of saying we're going to work with what we have. It sounds like a problem solver to me. She is a problem solver. <laughs> she was incredible. She was incredible. And uh, I, for the gin, that's who the gingered peach is, right? We want to make that cheesecake, but we can't. And we have to be okay with the fact that that's just not in our wheelhouse right now. Mm-hmm. So instead, we're going to ginger it up. We're going to look around and we're going to say, what ingredients do we already bring in? And what equipment do we already have? And how do we transform that into something else? Right. And that's how the gingered peach became a thing. We just Because you've really grown a lot already because you have your little 700-square-foot kitchen, but you're, so you have the bakery you can come in. But aren't you doing other things other than that now? Yeah, we act as a wholesale supplier outside. That's amazing. Uh, yes. So how did that kind of come to be? Can you kind of tell us that so story? It's so crazy how that happens. <laughs> so I realized that in order for us to maximize our profitability that we had to get outside of our four walls, right? I'm not necessarily... I have not committed to the school of thought of there should be multiple gingered peaches. Mm-hmm. I think what we do is special. I think it's very specialized. And I think it's very difficult to keep control of it once you have more than one, mm-hmm. right? Oh, we end sure. up in a Duncan situation here. Right, right, right. And I didn't want that. So I said, how do we grow our revenue stream outside of our four walls, but we can't afford to be in the markets that would commit to our product like a Princeton, right? Mm-hmm. So I said, well, what if we found strategic partners in those in those places, people who are aligned with our thinking in terms of quality, integrity, how we treat our employees, et cetera. How do, how do we find, how do we partner with those people who need our skill set? And when I thought about it, I said, you know who needs those coffee shops? Coffee right. was blowing up at the time that I was on the come up too. And I'm talking specialized and the coffee. And stuff you get that's not always. Uh... It's not always so great, right? But that's <laughs> right. because they're limited. They don't they're have the people. ovens. They're coffee people. <laughs> right. Their main line is coffee, right? Right. So essentially I said, let's do with them what we do to our customers, which is let's reduce the barrier to entry where we say, we're going to take care of it for you, right? We're going to deliver it before you open. Wow. We're going to, we're the experts, so we're going to bake it. And we're going to drop it off every day, and I'm going to sell it to you less than I sell it to my customers and hoping that your volume gets me buying power on the back end. Mm-hmm. Because if your extra 200 units a week allows me to buy another 400 pounds of flour, that means I can now go to the flour distributor and go, I'm not paying that. I want to pay this instead. Right. So it worked in two ways, and it all started because we couldn't bake bread because we can't fit the oven in the gingered peach. So we had to go to Terramomo to pick up bread every day Okay. And so that we would have it as a convenience for our customers. I realized we were wasting that route every day. Where I'm oh. like, we're driving there, we're not making any money, right? It's costing okay. us money to sell bread. I said, let's pick up somebody on that route. So I approached the owner of Rojo's Roastery, and I said, we drive past you every day. I see your baked goods are. <laughs> if you want to fill a hole or two, we're right. your guy. Right. And right. then right. Right. he tried it and said, let's do it. We've now been with Rojo's for three years, and we're wow. in their Princeton store and their Lambertville store. Then after that, we were able to pick up Small World Coffee. Um, both their oh, locations, yeah, yeah. and we got Cargo Brasserie in Princeton, and we got Sourland Coffee in Pennington, and McCarter Theater. So we've now found a way to set up shop in Princeton without sinking into the real estate costs. So now our right. brand, and part of carrying the ginger peaches, you have to say this. I was going to ask if signage. they know. This is from the Because if I want to get a wedding cake, yeah. well, I know if I went yeah. to. You'll eat that croissant and go, wait a minute. This small We're... selection came from a place that has more things. So it's I actually branded some... on there? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So there's a sign that goes. All right, so it's either on their tags. It says okay. croissant from the ginger peach. Or uh, like Sourland Coffee has an actual sign. Rojo's has a sign that says all baked goods provided by. And that's part of the deal. If this you're... is like your market, a part of a marketing strategy too, right? <laughs> See, I see what you're doing. <laughs> that's 
That's brilliant. So what's next? What do you, what do you plan on doing next? I know you're always so, thinking ahead. So yeah. I'm just curious about what's your next. So what's next for the gingered peaches? Uh, we've hit the wall right where we can't produce anymore. Mm-hmm. I do. I don't want to go to that commissary concept, right? Because it's sad and lonely in commissaries, right. right? You normally put somebody in a warehouse, sure, and you go make this stuff, right? Right. And part of the reason why my employees are satisfied in the work that they do is they get to see the fruits of their labor. Mm-hmm. Not that it just comes out of the oven, but that kid who's like on the glass staring at the sprinkled donut, going. I want that. Like right. that's very fulfilling for the work that we do, and I don't want to take that away right, from right, them. Right. So I decided I wasn't going to go with multiple gingered peaches, but I had to find a way that we're we have a problem. We've created our own problem right now where we can't produce enough mm-hmm. to satisfy the demand. Right. And that's a problem. It opens up the entryway for a competitor to come in, which right. is cool. But I don't know if anybody's willing to live the crazy <laughs> life we live. Right. So I decided after going to my fellowship, thank you, James Beard Foundation, mm-hmm. it gave me a chance to talk with like-minded individuals in uh, and women who can understand the mm-hmm. pains of what we're going through. Because once again, uh, this is a whole self – this is a bootstrapped business, right? Mm-hmm. I maxed out my Amex card. That's how the gingered peach got open. Right. And we just kept reinvesting the profit to grow to where we are today. Mm-hmm. But um, in recognizing like how my business made me feel and being self-aware and understanding what I wanted from life and understanding what I still think Lawrenceville is missing, uh, I've decided that for our growth that we are going to focus on Lawrenceville oh, in, a big, in a big way mm-hmm. where uh, hopefully by 2025 you will see five businesses from the Ginger Peach wow. all within walking distance of each other addressing all different food areas that I don't think are being paid attention to right now. Okay. Well, we're looking forward to that. You're fantastic. You're energetic. You got a lot going on, and you're you're just an amazing person, I have to say. So, thanks again, Joanne, for coming on. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to uh, Master Your Finances, and I am Kurt Baker. Um, uh, I can be reached at 609 716 4700. Um, or you can listen to this podcast and all the podcasts at masteryourfinances.us. It's hard to keep up with the fast-paced financial world, but because finances, of Master so you Your Finances, you have a head start. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, our certified financial planner professional, only on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. Tune in next week, Sunday at 9 a.m., to get a boost on your financial planning. But if you missed a week, you can check out past episodes. Just go to masteryourfinances.us to check out past episodes and more. Master Your Finances is underwritten by Certified Wealth Management and Investment, LLC. Money doesn't grow on trees, but it can grow your portfolio. Thanks to Kurt Baker and Master Your Finances. On Sundays at 9 a.m. Exclusively on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com.